Yes and is a mantra that can be applied to every aspect of your life. These two words are ground zero for all creativity. These two words will help you shut down fear. These two words can change your life if you'll let them. Yes, I'm serious. And this podcast is on a mission to show you how. I'm Judy Holler, the host of Yes And. If Dr. Dre and Amy Poehler had a baby, um, that would basically be me. Listen, if you're looking for a no BS approach to life, business, and your mental health, then you are in the right place. So welcome to Yes And, where we smash comfort zones and navigate the unscripted stage of everyday life together. This is a Soul Fire production. You're listening to episode 61. Hey, Fear Boss, welcome back to the show. I am so pumped to be here with you, and I'm really excited about this week's show. I have been wanting to have a conversation about ADHD for a hot minute. Now, if you've been following along and you've been listening to the podcast for a while, it's no secret that we love to have conversations around mental health and mental wealth and protecting the most important asset you own, which is the real estate between your two ears, right? You will never be able to thrive in this life if your vibe isn't right, right? If your mental health isn't wealthy. So I love having conversations about powering up the mind. And I've been really leaning into ADHD lately, especially as I am about to go get some tests done on myself for myself, because I have wondered for quite a long time if maybe um, I am ADHD and I do have some adult ADHD. A lot of the signs and symptoms are there for me. And I wonder if maybe a professional diagnosis could shed some light and open some doors. So as I've been opening up my spectrum of thought and discovery around this idea of just exploring ADHD and what it means and what it's all about, I've met so many people. And one of those people has been in my life for a while. He's a fellow main stage keynote speaker, and his name is Brian Fanzo, and he thrives with ADHD. He has built an incredible career and uh, calls himself ADHD super powered. So we have a really wild roller coaster ride of a conversation. And I think you're going to really enjoy every juicy second. So grab yourself a coffee. This one is going to be certified. But first, I've got to shout out our fear boss of the week, who is this week, Katie Lee Fit Fun. Katie Lee writes, Judy has absolutely wholeheartedly changed the way I think, feel, and want to live my freaking life. Oh, thank you, Katie Lee Fit Fun. I was on my first workshop with her last night, and an hour later, I felt more empowered than ever before. Listening to her podcast every morning is making me a better human. You need her in your life. Hashtag celebrate your fails. Oh my God, I love that. Yes, we say in the Fear Boss community, no mistakes, only gifts. And Katie Lee, you're a perfect example of that. My goodness. Thank you for that beautiful review. And because you left me a review, guess what you are, girl? You are our Fear Boss of the Week. So just jump into my DMs on Instagram, send me your best mailing address, or shoot me an email to hello at judyholler.com with that best email address. And I will put a little surprise in the mail 
to you. And if you want to be our next Fear Boss of the Week, that's all it takes. A few sentences on iTunes would mean the world to me. And it is how we keep this podcast on the airwaves for you. So don't forget to leave that review. And when you do, you're going to get a chance to be the next Fear Boss of the Week. Also, before we bring Brian on, I've got to let you know that registration is open for the Spring Vibe and Thrive Masterclass until April 5th, 2021. And as a podcast listener, guess what? You get you get 50% off. So all you got to do is go to the show notes, click the link that says register for the Spring Masterclass and enter yes and 5050. Yes. And five zero at checkout and you're in business. You'll get 50% off. So if you've ever wanted to learn from me live, this is your chance. This course will not only show you how to maximize your planner results, the vibe and thrive planner results, but it's also going to teach you the fundamentals of goal focused planning. You're going to learn how to build mental wealth while leveling up the high-performance habits that are going to turn all those beautiful dreams of yours into actual goals. So I've got to share this testimony with you. So this is from June. She is one of our rock star Vibe and Thrivers and one of our very first masterclass alums when we ran the course this past December in January. And June wrote in and said this, I will never forget 2020. Not because of the pandemic or because I was furloughed from my 20-year corporate career, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I didn't realize how much I needed the Vibe and Thrive Planner, Masterclass, and Community. I had this expectation that the Masterclass would help me manage the recent disruption to my already busy schedule, not to mention accepting this overwhelming news, but what I received was so much more. The course had an incredible impact on my mental health. My dreadful and scary appointments became exciting milestones. The Vibe and Thrive course and community allowed me to be brave, soar, and keep my mind focused on kicking cancer's ass while maintaining a career and a positive mindset. I'm not only surviving cancer, I'm thriving. Like, I can't even. With that, I mean, this community is so fucking inspiring. And the content in the Vibe and Thrive class will not only rock your world, it'll change it. And June's story is one of dozens, dozens and dozens of stories sharing the impact goal focused planning has had on their lives. So registration closes April 5th. And this is the sign you've been waiting for. If you're hearing this, it means. This is for you and bonus because you're listening and you're here on the podcast, you get 50% off and all you need to do is enter yes and five zero, yes and 50 at checkout. So to get the course dates, info and scoop, click the link in the show notes or head over to judyholler.com forward slash vibe and thrive anytime you want. Okay, so let's bring Brian to the stage, the podcast stage, shall we? Uh, Brian Fanzo is a digital futurist and a keynote speaker who translates the trends of tomorrow to inspire change today. He teaches companies of all sizes how to leverage technology in real time in order to engage their customers 
at the right time, which is 100% where we're going to talk to him about future trends and clubhouse and all the good stuff at the end of our ADHD conversation. Uh, he's a dad of three girls. He's a podcaster. He's working on a book. He's a main stage keynote speaker. And my favorite, he's ADHD super powered, super powered. He's also an incredible human who doesn't shy away from conversations around mental health, which is why I knew I had to have him on the podcast. We talk about ADHD, how to stay focused, tests you can run, how he has the conversation around ADHD and mental health with his daughters. We talk about clubhouse and trends and hybrid events and Zoom and engaging, really engaging participants in our meetings these days and what that looks like in the future. My goodness, this is action-packed. Buckle up, grab yourself a coffee, a tea, light a candle, catch a vibe because this one is juicy. Here's my chat with Brian Fanzo. Brian Fanzo, I'm so pumped to have you here on the Yes And Show, man. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here too. I, this is a long, I mean, long, I mean, I'm excited because I think we we connect and share a similar vibe and I think that uh, always makes for fun podcast conversations. So this is gonna be a lot of fun. No doubt about it. There's a lot I want to get into with you because you've got a lot going on, but I first wanted to kick the party off with a little conversation about ADHD. And I want to sort of peek into your brain, pun intended on this. <laughs> this is something I have wondered uh, about myself for a really, really long time. And so, you know, if you do a quick Google, Google search, okay, um, symptoms typically include uh, limited attention and hyperactivity, right? Um, and some people typically experience things like excitability, fidgetability, Ability or fidgeting, <laughs> rather. Is that a word? I like it. It can be a word. It works for me. <laughs> fidgeting, hyperactivity, impulsivity, and irritability. Um, sometimes uh, folks with ADHD can be absent minded and have a difficult time focusing and a little forgetful and have a hard time paying attention. And from a mood perspective, um, anger, anxiety, boredom, excitement, mood swings, and maybe even some depression have been known to manifest. So that said, there's also a lot of really badass people living and working with it. You're one of them, Mel Robbins, Justin Timberlake, Will I Am from the Black Eyed Peas, okay, Adam Levine, Richard Branson. So um, I do believe that like anything, um, you can take your weakness, I'm doing air quotes here, yep. your perceived weakness and turn it into sure. a superpower. So I wanted to talk about it because you're pretty public about your um, journey with ADHD and that you call yourself ADHD superpowered, which I love. So let's start at the beginning. You were diagnosed at 31 and uh, prescribed Adderall to sort of manage it. Can I, can you take me back to Fanzo before the diagnosis and before Adderall, like how were you living and managing parenthood and your life and your business before you really got diagnosed and, and on meds to, to, to help. Talk to but me not, about that. Yeah, that's a great, I like, I like where that's, that start for me. And, and like for me, you know, like growing up, like, you know, I was always taught, you know, like passionate. I would have perfect attendance in school, but struggled to pass high school. You know, I, the, the, my guidance counselor, my, you know, my start of my junior year was like, what do you want to do after high school? And I was like, college. And he literally laughed. He's like, you have a 1.7 GPA. Like, what do you, and school was a struggle. And it, it was even in college and, 
And so for me, the, the thing that I was always told was, Brian, you need to apply yourself. Brian, you need to focus. Brian, you're not trying hard enough. Brian, if you just cared about these things as much as you cared about these things. And weirdly enough, for me, mental health was not something that was discussed in my family, um, even in my friend group and you know, as I was growing up. And uh, my youngest brother had got diagnosed with ADHD um, and was put on a medicine. And we were going through and, you know, and we always hear like, well, every, everyone has a little bit of ADHD, which ultimately... I think for me, just kind of like, just like kind of brushed it off. Didn't really think much of it. And then he said, my brother said um, one time, he was like, Brian, I know you're having a tough time turning your brain off at night. Mm -hmm. You should go in and get it tested. And so the thing about me prior to is I've all, like, I wake up happy, go to bed happy. It's been my Mm -hmm. entire MO. My mom says I, I came out of the womb talking because I love (laughs) to talk and like, that's just kind of who I am. Right. And like, we get to do it for a living now. So we kind of lucked out in that space. But for me, so much of it was, a frustration at myself mm. that even the things I loved, I would oftentimes stumble. And in, in weird places, I would allow other people's um, advice, opinion, direction to really shape things that I was doing because I was always told that like I was broken, right? Like, Hey, you need to fix what you, it's what you, you're doing something yourself. And you know, like everyone, like you have lots of projects that um, you never complete. And I was always like, gosh, Brian, you need to complete projects, right? And like, yes. you know, and, and I would say the toughest thing for me has always been reading, paying attention while I'm reading has always just been, it's just, it's been a, I mean, a roadblock. I mean, maybe four books in my, like I do a lot of audiobooks now, which has yes. been uh, amazing, um, you know, emerging, but like I was the kid that had to do cliff notes and I would do the cliff notes and, you know, it wasn't in, you know, and even through high school and even afterwards, no, no one, I mean, I think it's a, a little bit of the state of the time, right? I, uh, I'm a, I turned 40 this year, so I'm a major yeah, wearing Welcome to the club. Yes, welcome I, to I joined the club. The, joined the club. Uh, and so for me, like, I would say all the way through up until I was 30, mental health was not discussed. Mm. Adderall or ADHD wasn't discussed. And the thing about the idea of taking medication full time to me was like, weak people do that. Like yeah. only people that have given up. And so that was yeah. me prior to, like, I really didn't even... I mean, and I know, I know the clothing I was wearing. I know, I mean, I know where I was, I know where my car was parked in the doctor's office the day I got diagnosed because that day changed everything. It wasn't the Adderall. It was the way that he framed it. Mm -hmm. And I give a shout out to the, it was a doctor out in Phoenix, Arizona. And he's just simply said, he's like, Brian, you peg off the charts. He's like, you have your own case. And he kind of broke down. There's a difference between ADD and ADHD. And he's like, and being diagnosed this late, like it's hard to kind of kind of wrap a lot of things. He's like, but there's no question you should have been diagnosed long, long time ago. But he's like, the thing that you have to realize is that you aren't broken. You're just different. Mm. And you think different and your brain operates different. And that day was like the, I mean, it was like, I felt, I felt like the something was taken off and it wasn't like pressure from my parent. It wasn't, it was, it was was a self, you know, self pressure where it was like, oh my gosh, like I struggle doing these things and I've been trying to do it how everyone else does it even though I've always kind of walked my own beat, right? I had this like misconception where I'm very extroverted. I've always been the person that, you know, I was the only one that was a computer science major. I played hockey in college yeah. and I was in a fraternity. Nobody was yeah. in a fraternity that played hockey. Nobody in a hockey play was a computer science major, but like okay. I just walked my own beat. And I think I oftentimes let that be the thing that was different. Not like, Hey, you're not different in your head. You're not different. in. and so for me, like leading up to that and that day, I mean, it was, I mean, it's been everything because it's allowed me to kind of, you know, life hack in, in so many ways uh, to be self-aware. Um, but I will say I've always been fairly transparent and open about it. And you mentioned that, but just to answer that part of the question, it wasn't until three years later that I really 
pressed it forward. So it was three years where when someone asked, I would talk about it. Um, and about two years after I was diagnosed, my mom had kind of uh, had a discussion with me and she's like, Brian, you know, I think you need to know something that like, I was told that you should have been on medicine when you were 11 years old. Mm. And when I told my friend group about that, they kind of, you know, bullied me or pressured me to say only bad parents medicate their kids. And my mom, like, I, and I know, like, I mean, my mom is like my hero. She has been there for me all the way. And so I knew that was a big thing for her to, to share, but that meant a lot to me, wow. not only knowing that, Hey, this was a piece, but it was, it was actually on stage at one of the biggest events that I had spoke at. And during Q and a, someone's like, God, you talk with your hands, you move fast. you talk really fast. Like you must be ADHD or something. That was like the question from the audience while I'm on stage. Oh my gosh. And they're like, but how do you like still be successful at what you're doing? That was like their question. And I was like, yeah, matter of fact, I'm ADHD superpower. Like this is who I am. Right. And I just kind of riffed off, didn't even think much of it. And I went to the side of that stage and it's the longest line I've ever had to this day mm. of people waiting. And I'll tell you, uh, a mom, it was about the third person in line. She came up with her phone on FaceTime. And you know, that line next to the stage is already long. It yeah. was main stage keynotes. Like people are trying to shuffle the room around. Yes. And our son, who was, who was 19 years old um, and I was 34, was on the phone on FaceTime, which I'm like, okay, this is awkward. I'm like, where's this going? You know, it's yeah. kind of like those things like, do I engage? And she's like, no pressure. <laughs> she's like, yeah, yeah, not at all. And she's like, my son's been diagnosed with a couple of things and it wasn't ADHD. She's like, but the way that you just took that and, and not only leaned into it, but the pride you wore it. She's like, can you just share that with my son? And at first I'm like, kind of like talking to her while she's on the phone. I was like, actually, can I just hold the phone? Oh, and I was so like, what's cool. up? You know, I was like, did one of those like, Hey, I'm 34. You're 19. You probably don't want to listen to me. You're probably gonna be like, I can't believe my mom just did this. Like how embarrassing. I was like, here's the thing. I was like, I just want you to know. And I kind of told the broken. Uh, just different. And I was like, and the thing you're going to realize is that the more that you lean into your differences, the more success you're going to have. Mm -hmm. And the mom just started crying. He connected with me on Facebook, on LinkedIn, and we're still connected. And it yeah. was that day I looked at her after she hung up the phone and was like, if I can make that impact, I will wear yeah. it as a badge of honor. It'll be in my yeah, intro right. for every time from there. And so that's really where the, the, uh, I, I would say, I love to say it was like me leaving the doctor's office. I was like, Oh, I'm going to wear this. <laughs> but it was that that moment after the stage that I was like, you know what, I'm going to own it. And it's been a great thing. Yeah. You know, as you don a shirt that says, be yourself, which is the advice you gave that 34 year old or the 34 year old gave the 19 year old that yes. day. I had the math backward, uh, a nod to how great I was at school. And <laughs> <laughs> and math and all of the things. So um, I bet you felt, I mean, did you not feel like a massive weight off your shoulders when you got that, like almost like, aha, this is, you probably had a small feeling because I'm sure you had heard about ADHD, but did you not just feel like a big sense of well, no wonder. And that makes sense. And now I kind of understand what it is that's firing my brain. So like you said, you can use it and, and find a way to work with it. I mean, this is what we talk about with fear. You know, right. there's not a lot of conversations around, you know, everybody wants to know how to get rid of their fear. How do we get rid of it? How do we get rid of it? I'm like, yo, you will never get rid of it. But what you yes. can do is work with it. Like you will not get rid of that ADHD, right? But you can work with it. So did yes. you feel kind of vibe once you got like direction and medical support and like help? Well, without question. And the, the interesting thing, and just for context, like I was this same year, I had got promoted 
to the highest level in the government contracting business that they had ever had for someone that didn't have a master's degree. That's my right. six, you worked for the Department of Defense. Yes, for yes. yeah, for the U.S. government. So yeah, I, and I was working, and I was growing. I mean, I had a massive team, thirty-nine direct reports. We ran a global budget. I traveled around the world, and so I had found massive success in post, let's say, post education, and, and and really in everything that I I had done. If yeah. I if, if and and I always knew like. I was always very confident in myself. And I think that's my parents. My parents were never ones that like, Hey, we're going to shelter you. But they were kind of like, you know, my, I remember my dad instilling like you failure is going to happen. And failure of course is, is those pieces. Like just remember that you're a fan though, and you don't ever settle for failure. And that's been my like kind of piece of it. And so for me, like to get all of this success yet to miss out on like dialogue or feel as though there were some things where I would be like, Ooh, and it wasn't that I wouldn't apply myself, but I would kind of like caveat, like, well, you know, I was a bad student or, you know, and like, and a lot yeah. of that to me was weirdly just like in my own head of being like, I, I mean, I like, we like proving people wrong, right? When someone says you can't do something. So part yeah. of me was like, in this weird way was I was fighting something. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. And I many times thought it was just me. Like it was like, like, something was wrong you, with are, you. like you were yeah, fundamentally broken. Yeah. You are lazy. You are. Yeah. And like, and like, this comes smart. from like, you're not, yeah, you're not yes. a student. You're not applying yourself, like, but, yeah. but yet I was the youngest to get, you know, the, the security clearance I got. I was the, the first one, uh, the, one of the first contractors ever to go in Iraq as we opened up Iraq to contractors. Like so many of those. So like for me, like a lot of the stories I think I heard up until then was the person that was like went homeless and got discovered and came up. And so for me, like, I think it's important to kind of hear that because to me, like medicating myself every day a felt scary because I knew no one doing it at the time. Like, right. you know, definitely nothing we talked about, but it was also this like element of like, if it ain't broken, it, you know, like, if, yeah. you know, like, why fix it? But at yeah. the same time, it was the, and it answered every question. I mean, like, I, I, I wanted to go back and like tell all of my teachers in high school, I was sorry, but also yeah. explain to them, like, I did care. Like, th- like to me, that was always, cause I'm a people pleaser. I, I mean, yeah. it's, it's a big piece of who I am. And like yeah. knowing that people assumed based on these end results of like traditional tests and things that were going on and people that invested and cared about my success that I still couldn't get to the success they wanted to. And they always assumed because I mean, why wouldn't they, that it was on me. And I think to me, that was probably like the biggest piece of it. And, and, you know, even to the point where now when I talk about it, like, I mean, it's like my whole team knows about it. My daughters are very big part of this. My, uh, my middle daughter was diagnosed uh, ADHD and dyslexia this past year. Um, and like, so like my team, uh, if we're doing a call between one o'clock and 2 PM, um, they'll say, Brian, it's uh, almost one forty time for your Adderall, your second dose. My yeah. daughters, when they hear alarm go off, they're daddy, take your medicine. And to, to me, it's like, it's a freedom now because yeah. I'm letting people know this is, this is my superpower, but this is also where I, I struggle in things. So if you want to work with me and it's, I mean, that I would say of all the things that, that have really came out of this, the more transparent I've been about it, yeah. the easier it's been for others to work with me. Yeah. And the easier it's been for me to convey who I am and kind of show up, you know, as myself, you know, pun yeah. intended. Yeah, I love that so much. So, you know, as we, one of the things we have in common is that we both work as main stage keynote speakers, right? And so uh, that is a job that um, certainly requires some structure and some focus. And, you know, when you think about getting up on stage and, you know, something goes down or technology changes or and you get a curveball from the audience or something, how do you, um, you know, 
maybe it's a two-part question. Is there, because you're ADHD superpowered, um, how do you, how do you, how does that affect you as a speaker? Does it, does it mean you rehearse more? Does it mean you uh, don't do slides and have no notes? Does it mean you go off script? Does it mean you need more of a script? What is that like for the ADHD performer? How do you prepare and how do you execute and, and crush the stage? And I'm asking for a friend. I love this. And I will say uh, for your friend, uh, I've never been asked this, but it's something I, I talk about a lot within the, the circle that I've been talking. This is like, for me, I think ADHD showed its light the most in, in the speaking, especially becoming really good friends with masterminds of fellow speakers yes. uh, that were people that were, I wanted to get right. And there were many comments where they're like, Brian, you're great but you need to rehearse more. Brian, you need it great, but you need to be on script. And so I would take a lot of his advice because a lot of that was like, okay, like I'm going to figure out how to do this. And I can tell you the, the thing that would start happening was I would, I, I went, Michael and Amy Port, I went to, you know, part of their training. Um, yeah. And actually I went as a guest uh, speaker and then they, we kind of like, they asked for a volunteer and I'm not shy. And I was like, well, she raised your hand. Yes, Let's go. My hand, like, and Jay Bear was saying next to me, like elbow me is like, if I, had a, if I had a guess, the person who was going to raise their hand it was you. And I was like, hey, I'll take advantage of it. And, you know, and, yeah. I, and we did like the blocking. We did a lot of these things. And the, I've never been comfortable assuming that I'm the unicorn hmm. because I believe that's oftentimes used as an excuse to not be open-minded to really working on your craft. And I truly, truly believe in the art of storytelling. I love and I, I respect the most powerful thing that we have is that we have people's captured attention and time that they can't get back. And like, when I take that stage, no matter how many people in the audience, like I, I, I feel that in my bones and I always want to perform. And interestingly enough, as I would get all this feedback and I would try to like, take these things, people would like, they, I would t implement some of the things like, never mind, go back, go back to what you were. And so what I ended up having to do was kind of like pull back and say, where, what are the things I need to implement yeah. so that I can, and I call it swim lanes. I don't create rules. Cause I don't, Anyone gives me rules, I try to break rules. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah if and you give me swim lanes. Corporate rules oh. feel like they're in, uh, I don't, I don't want to fit in a box. I want to break the fucking box. You know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. And, like, and I'm like, so you say swim lanes because now lanes, we're moving like, forward. Yeah. Cool. Give me, give me the, I'm going to go this direction. But give me places to bob and weave, right? I can go yeah, across cool. the lane. The lanes kind of move. And so what I started to kind of craft, and I will tell you, live video really, really helped in this. Like I started really going in on live video, but I started really honing in on my ability to tell stories, probably more importantly, my ability to read the audience. I had played semi-professional poker for a little while in between my, my career. Um, and I went and studied under Joe Navarro, uh, retired FBI uh, agent who, who does, uh, you know, yeah. body language and nonverbal yes. cues. And I can tell you for me, that was how I masked my ADHD was I could really read people. And I've always been able to read people. I was- Dude, I have said the same thing. I think that is such a gift. I, I, I'm like, is it like, it's not like, I don't feel like it's like intuitive, but it's like this energy. Like I can feel, and this is always funny because I make the joke that I could never play poker because I have no poker face. Like if someone rubs me the wrong way, like I, I gotta, I gotta move. But I have felt in my career, um, very similarly that that has been my, um, one of my strengths is I'm a bit of a chameleon. I can figure out how to, and when I was in sales and marketing, this is really big, right? Being able to sort of Go yes. up and down in that energy to sort of mirror what the fuck's going on in front of you. So you are saying you had a very similar experience. Without question. And, and not only figuring out how to leverage that, but like 
figuring out what role that can play in, in the art that we do on stage, but even like building our presentations to allow that, right? And like, yeah. for me, like, like in a weird way, like there would be times where I'd be like, well, I'm great without a script, right? All right. But I also know like my ADHD brain and I can go down a rabbit hole. And, and right. so like I, I, for my live videos and, you know, I've done over 3,500 live videos since 2014, like myself individually, right. like it was my thing. I, I created a sticky note for every live video I've ever done. Yeah. And it has five bullet points. Yeah. And it's the first three are three key takeaways I, I want the audience to leave with. The fourth one is a story that I believe connects to those, those uh, three points. And then the fifth one is a data point or uh, a self-deprecating humor piece of, of it that I can kind of thread the pieces. And I always stick, I mean, I, I, mean, I have, I mean, you want to talk about sticky notes. I mean, I have- I am obsessed I mean, with I'm sticky obsessed. notes. Yes, I'm obsessed. And so I put them like directly on, I, I love that we can show off our, Dude, our sticky on, note fandom. Uh, <laughs> We're going to have some video. This could be a good, can we please yeah, have there a go. our, our sticky notes? Brian and I are currently holding up at least 20 packs per human <laughs> being of sticky notes. This is how I live. This is Me how too. I do every live. And so I hope the Fear Boss listening right now is listening. Listen to what Brian just dropped a massive knowledge bomb. You're giving a live. Maybe you're giving a speech, whatever it may be. Get a post-it note. It's got five things. The three key takeaways, which is a great thing for any podcast you're trying to do or yep. any live or any teaching. What are the three takeaways? So you always remember where you're going. What's a badass story that relates to those three badass things? And then number five, what's a piece of research? Hello, yep. science. Don't take it from me. Take it from science. It makes you sound really smart too. Or a joke, something funny that people will remember. Brian, dude, that's a great piece of advice. So for the ADHD superpowered, these are how we stay focused. This is we a do. great hack. It is because it gives, the thing, the beauty of it is it gives us freedom to go where we want. Yes. But when we feel as though we, we're going away, we can come back to center and go, oh yeah, these are the three things I need to cover, right? Because I think the, 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 I think the worry often comes, and sometimes it's without us even realizing it, is that if we start to go somewhere, then we're not going to be able to get to the points. And so that's been my, that was always, and I do that with podcasts, those five things. And so interestingly enough, as I started building out as a speaker, and, and like I started speaking in 2005 for the US government, and like my very first talk is still the, the talk I talk about a lot is that it was for the Joint Chiefs of Staff here in the Pentagon. And the second talk I gave, General Petraeus was in the front row, full military outfit and no one smiling. And my job was to go up there and talk about what needs to change for millennials to want to join the government. The word millennial wasn't even a thing at that point wow. in 2005. Uh, and it was intimidating as all, like that was the, yeah. the talk, like that presentation. But funny enough, that talk, I walked out with a sticky note with five things on it, which like, <laughs> in, the, in like the weird way of like the way that, because I, I was like, you know, I went, they sent me to a certified class. I do five days of training. I worked with my PR team and our, our government contractor. Yeah. We did the whole thing. And I like, they had all this paperwork and I was like, I'm not doing this. And they were like, what do you mean? Like, and, and, you know, and, and for context, the only reason I got that role was I was the only non gray haired person in cybersecurity. <laughs> like, and they said it like, Hey, like you're the youngest, you're not afraid to talk and you're not gray haired. Go so like, we need to go do it. Teach us and, about the millennials. Yeah. And, and <laughs> it was like, yeah, do you need you? And you're like, we need to check that box. And like, I remember being like, I can't do that script. I was like, but I wrote down five things. If these five things, if I cover all five of these, will you be happy? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, all right, I think I can do this, right? Like, I think I can like, kind of get over that. And that's going to play through. And then what I've learned kind of over the time was now I need to become better at the stories I tell. So those like right. stories that kind of weave in our talks. So for every story I have, I have a two minute story and a five minute story. So depending on how I'm reading the audience will depend yeah. 
which one of those go to. And then my last kind of secret for me from ADHD is I have a false ending in every deck. So usually about four to five slides before the end, there is a slide that would look as if it's the end. And if I get to like that eight minute mark, 10 minute mark, and I look down and I know I still have you know eight slides left, I'm like, okay, I'm finishing at the false ending. And so when I get to that slide, because it has my info on it, but if I'm, if I got plenty of time, I get to that slide, it still has information that I want, I can share on. And I do the last four slides afterwards. And so it's kind of like my secret sauce that allows me, I mean, I've, I finish every keynote on time and everyone's it's like amazed. a trap door. You're like, I could, you, cause you don't know. Sometimes you, it is so true. When you're up there, even if there's a timer, your brain is so <laughs> in the moment. You're so focused on the audience and you're focused on where you're going and landing your points and telling your stories that sometimes you don't realize where you're at in the talk. So what you're saying is you've got this slide that could go about four to eight slides longer if you got the time. If not, it's a perfect way to say, okay, guys, yep. looks like we're about out of time. Yep. Um, you will have the end, right? And it's even That's funny great. too, because now I've tied my closing story into the the art that is on that slide. And so it, like, it oh, plays brilliant. as if, I mean, like the, the, there was actually Michelle Joyce, my speaker agent, she saw me twice give the same talk and she's like, I feel as though you ended on a different slide, but the same. And I was like, I did because I kind of connected that dot. And I can tell you, like, it's a byproduct of like that world of, I mean, I was in tech and a lot of my talks early on were like cloud computing, cross-generational, like yeah. really boring tech. And like, I, I despise the click through the slides because I were out of time, right? We, we know that like, that's just like a faux pas, but I also didn't ever want to be the person that was like, I, I can't go here. Cause I know the audience is leaning back because they're, the audience is still looking. They, they need the five minute story, but mm -hmm. I only have two minutes left. And like that to me was always like this, like I need to put the audience first, but I also know that I will not go over. I mean, I, I that was ingrained in me very, especially my government days where, I mean, you want to oh, be yeah. ever invited back to speak. And there's nothing worse. Like if you want to make a meeting planner mad, oh, yes. go over your time. And every other speaker that has to follow that person, I've definitely been the speaker where they're like, okay, by the way, we're way behind. So now instead of a 45 minute talk, can you do it in 20 minutes? And you're like, no. and again, so it goes back to our freaking post-it note. If nope. I know that I've got five points, how, you know, and that is the art of the platform. Yes. And this is why it takes time and rehearsals and, and really confidence in yourself and fucking focus. So focus. here's the question, yep. Adderall. Does Adderall, what is life like with Adderall? What is life like without Adderall? What's the two minute version of sure. what life is like with or without it? So a shout out to my doctor, the original doctor that I had in Phoenix, because I'm not giving this as medical advice or for other people yeah, to take By the it, way, disclaimer, this is not yeah, medical advice for the opinions of medical professionals. Right. But my first year on Adderall, my brother had reached an amount of Adderall that it was changing his personality. Um, so much so that his wife uh, pretty much came to him and was like, Adderall or me? Like you, and like my brother is the most laid back, chill, I mean, happy go lucky person. And, his, I, and he had changed him. And that like shook me to the core and like, changed him how like, it, I mean, he was, uh, snap. He would just snap real quick or wow. care less. We would carefree, you know, and start an argument just to start an argument. Like yeah. it really changed. And, and granted he was, I mean, at like almost 60 milligrams twice a day and wow. he started five. Um, and so I went into my doctor and was like, I need off Adderall. I'm he's like, it's changing your life. I'm like, it's the greatest thing that's happened, but I, I will not let that happen. He said, I believe in this concept and he, very, very hippie doctor. I was like, I call it drug holidays. He's like, if you're willing to take one day off every seven days of no medicine, then I believe you can stem this idea that you keep having to build on build and building and on up your dosage. And I was like, 
that sounds a little like, and he's like, that day, that seventh day that you're not going to have, it's going to suck. He's like, cause you're going to come down hard and then you're gonna have to come back on. And you might get some of the side effects. He's like, but if this is your concern, and of course, like I went through because I'm not one that like, I don't know what I don't know. So like right. I tried a couple other things. I did, you know, I did six months with some other things, a diet and some, uh, yeah. and what it happened was I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do the drug holiday. And then this is like, I mean, one of my proudest pieces is for five years, I've been on the same dose not having to increase right. it one freaking time. And so the difference really for me is tied to, I always am in my head, but my ability to get things out of my head onto paper or out of my head somewhere, and then be able to get done what I need to get done is when I'm on Adderall. When I'm not on Adderall, things are in my head and to get them from out of my head to make, just make space. That process is sometimes extended where, I mean, I have yellow sticky notes on both of these walls as well. That usually is a 15 minute process in the morning. Like I woke up this morning, brain dumped, was ready to go. Not Adderall days. I'll spend four hours trying to get everything out of my head. And that is, that is a big piece of it. The other piece of it is simple. Like procrastination is definitely an ADHD trait and Adderall doesn't take that away. But my, my care about procrastinating about things, not on Adderall, it's just like almost gone. Like my daughter's, my daughter will even laugh, especially my oldest, my 11 year old. She'll just be like, so daddy, we're just, you're not going to do those dishes. Like you're like, what's, what's going on? Like she, and, I'm, and she's like, Oh, you're going to get to them tomorrow. And it, Cause like it, it does, it kind of changes that. Like so you're saying you don't care. You don't hold as much worry and anxiety my, over the fact my ability that to prioritize that. anything doesn't exist. So nothing's a priority versus when I'm on Adderall, there's a case sometimes where everything's a priority, which is, which is also like, you know, a fire that I'm working to become yeah, better at, sure. but the, ad, without Adderall, that's the best way to explain it. Without Adderall, nothing's a priority. With Adderall, I, everything's a priority. And then I just have to figure out what to work on first. Interesting. One of the, the things I hear all the time is, oh my God, you got so much energy. I'm like, I think I have just met my match. I have officially <laughs> met my match. Um, yeah, I love it. I love it so much. Well, it's certainly contagious and you are authentic, no doubt about it. And that's one of the things I think that makes you uber successful on the new Clubhouse platform. So um, Clubhouse, for those of you who have been curious, is sort of still in beta, isn't it, Brian? Yes, yep, like, yep. It's an invite only platform right now and invitations are starting to float around out there and it's getting, I don't know how many, do you know how many users are even on? They just, uh, 10 million active users. So 10 million active users. So how many followers do you have now? How long have you been on and how many followers? Where are you at now? So December 9th, I joined um, and I think I just hit 13,500 followers or so on uh, the platform and it's been, it's. You're loving it, right? My mental health has never been better and it has to do with that app. And it's yeah. wild to say that because I am spending a lot of time on the app, but I am spending equal amount of time serving from a business perspective, talking about speaking and a lot of things I talk about and in the mental health conversations and in these conversations that are filling my cup, I'm finding my tribe. I'm a, I'm a generalist, a proud multi-hyphen, multi-passionate person where I don't have a niche. And I found an entire tribe of that so much so that you know, I took my my group from offline misfit mafia, which is the name of my group. And we have the misfit mafia club now on clubhouse. I'm a member. I'm a member. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. I am a misfit. I loved the name. You had me at misfit mafia. Well, you know, and I, you see that I'm a big Apple fan, right? And that's the Steve jobs quote that always, like, I I feel like for me, Steve jobs connected with me in college to stay with my major because he made being a geek cool. And I was like, Oh, like a geek could be cool like this. And I feel like that also comes in this misfits. And I think the thing with clubhouse that's been, it is invite only. It's iOS only at the moment, but you can yeah. use it on iPad or iPhone. But you know, everyone that's listening to this, I don't have to convince them the power of audio, right? Like when you're 
when we are creating a video piece of content, we as the creator tell you what to feel and visualize. When you guys are listening to this, you have no idea what we're look what we look like. The fact that we are jumping at our Zoom screens together, right? But as the consumer, you get to paint your own picture, right? Like that intimacy. Like I, I, I love podcasts. I always say that when I meet somebody that's a podcast fan of mine, they give me a stronger hug than someone just follows me on Twitter. No offense. So intimate, and and it is. And that's what Brian's going here. Like what maybe someone who has no idea what Clubhouse is, it is not video. It is, it is audio and there's only, so it's almost like you're in the, um, you're, it, you're in a massive conference. You can go into breakout rooms and get keynotes from main stage, very famous keynote speakers, if you want, or just regular human beings having conversations about everything from loving Star Wars to uh, being a misfit, to going alcohol-free, to dealing with ADHD. I mean, you pick your pleasure, you pick I mean, they your did, group. They did a Lion King, Lion King musical with a Broadway yes, performers. Of Lion King came on there and performed. I mean, like it is, it is incredible. And it, and it is, it's, you know, they call it drop in, drop out radio for those that are our age or their um, love line was like, I, I remember oh, love, I line, right? love, oh, the me, love line. I used to get in trouble. I had the boom box like above my bed and like my oh, mom would, me too. I had a water bed and I had a water bed. I had a water bed too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no surprise that we were like in that. Of course. In that case. And, and I think that, you know, not only can you drop in and drop out, but it's, it's the first place for me where I'm discovering my people that I haven't discovered anywhere else. And I'm really active on social. And the other piece of it is it's the only place serendipity has existed for me in social in a weird, weird way. Like John quick um, drops into a room of mine two days ago. I pull him on stage. He stays for an hour and a half. We go into a discussion about his passion for training the brain for kids dealing with ADHD and my connection. John had never known me. I was following him on Twitter. We've now connected four times since and he was like, Fanzo, I'm just so glad I was going out for a walk. He's like, I turned on the app. The fact that your room was discussing the art of public speaking, uh, you know, shout out to Andy uh, Henriquez from uh, National Speakers Association. He's the one that brought me in the conversation. Mm. And so like that serendipity is beautiful there. And like the ability, to, I mean, like one of my favorite rooms is called Influencers on Mental Health. Yeah. And I can tell you when I saw it, I was like, oh God, yeah. like here and, and the people that are running it are all all under the age of 30, let's just say maybe under the age of 28. And I was like, oh man, this is, this is, this is not look good. Like I like, and I jumped in and it is the most beautiful open sharing, creating safe space, but not, but managing expectations. This is not therapy. We're, we're training each other how to sell these stories that we've been told all of our life not to share. And uh, Jake Hunter is the, who has like five or 6 million followers on TikTok. He is a model six pack abs, like and he is up there facilitating this conversation of intimate sharing of alcoholism and, and, uh, you know, and a lot of the things that people have gone through yeah. and it's so beautiful. Like for me, it's renewed my faith that like the Gen Z that's going to help lead our future are pretty amazing humans that are having conversations that most of us are not even comfortable having. And sure as my parents will not like my mom, I, I feel bad. Like my mom's like, I don't listen to any of your um, shows, Brian, or anything that brings up mental health. Cause I just get uncomfortable with you talking about that. She's like, but thankfully you're doing it. Cause like her, her circles, like, you know, I, I mean, like, I, and I have like an aunt that I haven't seen in many, many years, that like reached out to me. And like, we have these like amazing discussions on that. And so for me, clubhouse, it's less about the app. It's more about, well, a, our desire to connect. Cause we're all not traveling and this, yeah. this piece of it, but it is, there's something beautiful about like remembering that, that we are not alone. Like we all have, we are, we are much more alike than we are different, but like, to find our people is like such a beautiful thing. And then 
to give back. It's like simply all I am doing on there is sharing my experience, right? Like I, I think that is the, the most beautiful thing. And I think, you know, we, uh, Twitter spaces is the Twitter's version of it coming out. Um, you're going to see some of those spaces. I think for me, like the, the, the pitch that I feel about it is that it feels too good to be true. Mm. And as a futurist, that's hard to explain, but I will say this. I, I spend many hours on the app a, a day, um, across a week easily, you know, probably, I mean, easily 30 hours of a week I'm spending on that app. Wow. If the app disappeared tomorrow, I wouldn't regret one minute I've spent on that app. And I mean, that, I mean, it's even weird for me to say that because it sounds like corny, but it's been, it's just been that ability to, you know, connect and there are bad apples and there's, you know, every, in the world today, people can use every innovation in the world there's for always bad. There's going to be somebody right? trying to. But you can, I mean, I mean it's just connecting and even like, I mean, I, I'm very blessed. So we have some great, great mutual friends, uh, especially Aaron and Amy, two of like yeah. my closest, dearest friends in the world. And I remember when they connected me, us together. And I think it was like my second Instagram story. And I'm like, holy cow, am I a fan? Like I, it was instant. Right? I was like, we're on the same level. We have the same things. And I think like, we're very blessed to have people that connect that, but there's so many people that don't have that. And oftentimes I believe we're trying to be the, the magnet that says everybody come to us. Mm. Clubhouse has been the ability to just go into these spaces and find your people by just showing up. Like you don't have to, like, I, I tell everybody like, it's the app that you don't have to convince people you're an expert or why you have followers. You have to share what is perfectly imperfect about you, which is that unique story that only you have. And if you can do that, I mean, it's been, I mean, I've gone into rooms about divorce. Like one of my favorite rooms is uh, at night is uh, bearded black men read you lullabies to bed. <laughs> How do you find rooms? Are you just searching or finding so, things? So there's a good, this is a great, great question. So the, the feed itself is different than any other app that's out there. It's much more like TikTok algorithm than anything. Yeah. You have to follow more people because you don't see all of the rooms going live. You only see the rooms in the, in your hallway is what they call it. In the by genre, the people that your you're following. determined through the people that you're following. Yes. So you would want to follow twice as many as you would on any, on Instagram. Like the, and like for me, like when someone asks a great question and they're an educator, I'm like, well, it's not my space, but like, where they ask that question, they're going to be in some conversations that I would love to. Follow, I follow. follow. click the bell, yep. click the follow. Because the so that, bell is how you get That opens up the rooms and all of a sudden you're seeing these rooms. And oh, now it's a little advice. better too, where you can swipe and hide the rooms that you don't like. And it's learning from that, right? So like for me, a lot of these rooms where it's, you know, um, funnels and, and, and there's some things that just don't fit into my yeah, style. No, like I don't like have that in there. Now it's out of my feed, right? And I think I, I, will, I will say this about all social media, my personal opinion is that when someone says like, I hate Facebook, it's so negative and there's so much going on. I'm like, you don't hate Facebook. You just follow bad people. Yeah. Because like, and I, and I think it's up to us to curate. hundred percent. We allow into our, and, it, and that doesn't mean siloing, right? We both, believe, okay. like you need to have multiple opinions. Let's, let's, let's be real. But you also like, I, I mean, uh, there's things that like bullying, hate, and some of the things like I re like unfollow, remove, mute. And the beauty of this app is like that ability to these rooms open up and you can follow some friends in. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's a powerful medium and it's a good reminder that um, you don't have to be on Clubhouse, but I would challenge everyone in your marketing and your storytelling. We crave connection. We feel like we want to feel as though that we have people that are like us, that we're not alone. And probably more important, we want to have that authenticity match through intimacy, right? And I think we can, we can implement that across everything we do. And I, I think that to me has been the beauty of what Clubhouse has done. And uh, you know, I think it's beauty of what we get to do for our living, right? I love, you know, everything that, that you're a part of as well. And I think this is something that um, I think together we're making an impact one person at a time. And I think that's the uh, most beautiful thing we can do in, in our worlds. 
Yeah, I would agree. So well said. And authenticity and intimacy is most certainly what we crave. And one of my favorite things about what you just said, and I think it's a perfect way to um, land the the Fanzo plane is this notion. And it was a big takeaway for me when we think about Clubhouse as the new darling of social media. You know, in all of our other platforms, uh, most of us that are building and running businesses were, look at me, look at me, trying to get the people to follow and find us and all the things, right? We've become sort of, obsessed with the algorithm. Whereas um, you go over to Clubhouse, you can not only ride the wave of an early algorithm, which is happening over on TikTok. It's got a yep. beautiful algorithm and you can go really <sighs> organic. So if you know what you're doing over on TikTok, you can do some crazy shit on TikTok. Um, but what I love about what you said about Clubhouse is it is the place for you to let all that crap go and and stop worrying about the algorithm, even though you know you know it's got a good one right now, but stop worrying about it and go be of service, show yep. up, be brave, raise your hand, step up on the stages, contribute, go find new groups, meet new people. Um, I have not been playing there as much as I'd like to, mainly because we are in deadline on a few other projects, but I also got some pretty severe um, anxiety about it at the beginning because I was like, oh no, another thing. I know. Oh, how do I? And I, I need, once I stopped taking it so fucking seriously and I just started playing, because yeah. I was like, Judy, it ain't that deep. Go play. Yep. Go play. Um, and I think that's, that's our culture, right? We, we, I, I mean, I'm a big believer in personal branding. I'm big believing in everything we do tells our story. But there's also a point where, like, the personal part of us to go play, have fun, be part of some of these. I mean, I was in a room and, and it was there. Everyone had ukuleles and they were all playing with open mics. And I was laughing like that. I can't sing, but if you all play really loud, I could probably hum decently. With like, and I and I'm like connecting. I'm sitting in my living room. There's no video, right? It's AirPod in. Like, there's no That's like what fancy I really about it. No video. Very, you know, and, and also the culture is. They call it drop in, drop out, right? The minute you are, hey, I don't like the energy here. You go out and you go somewhere else where- And there's I mean, a like, peace out hand. You yeah, exactly. Peace, it literally says leave quietly because you can just yeah. leave where, and I, and I, I, I believe this for, as a true is like, you know, like the field of dreams, Kevin Costner movie, right? Like if you build it, they will come. Mm -hmm. 2021, if you build it, nobody's coming, nobody cares. Like literally, I don't care what you're launching. Like you have to go to where your audience is and inspire them to come to you, right? Like that's, a, that's the beauty of like, the algorithms can't beat us if we're willing to do that. And I think that's what Clubhouse is also teaching us, TikTok a little bit um, as that as well. And I think the other piece of that is to be transparent as well is there is a time suck element of it because it is audio only. So it doesn't allow you to drive by thought leadership is what I call it, where like you can't just drive by, see the video, saw the title, put a comment, leave, right? Like you, if you're going to go there, you, oh, you want to raise your hand, you wait in line for your hand to you know, ask a question. Yes. But because of that, you're almost forced to slow down and consume. And I found myself being listening to some conversations that I was like, wow, I, every other app I would have bounced or like I was just left, but because I was forced to sit all of a sudden, it like opened my mind to new people, new conversations. And so I think that's a, that's a beautiful you know, space that we're moving towards. And I think we're going to see the impacts of that across all social, like Instagram just launched uh, today as we're recording this, their, their new rooms feature. So now when you go Ooh. live, you can have four people on your live with you uh, rather than then two oh, and so um, when does that happen just they announced it at noon today so like Shut literally a couple up. hours ago yeah, so that's bringing a, the knowledge yeah so yeah there you go so like that's some updates on there and, and i'm also you know like i don't believe we have to chase all the shiny objects to your point like oh my gosh it's another thing to learn and like even like i mean that's what my job like as a futurist i'm going to chase all the shiny chase objects. all the shiny but i can honestly say most of the times i come back and say this is what you need to be listening for 
you need to keep focusing marketing to where your audience is today and listen for where they're going tomorrow, right? Like let's keep that in, in part, but you need to know what you're supposed to be listening for right. or where we're towards. And I think for me, I love going to these platforms and saying, here's what I learned and how we can implement it elsewhere. Right. And it's the things that I've been afraid to see as buzzwords, like empathy, authenticity, vulnerability, mm-hmm. intimacy. They're, they're living and breathing in this space. And it's just a perfect reminder, like to do that across everything. And so uh, to me, that's the beautiful part of being able to connect with social and, you know, uh, do things like we're doing right here, although not in the same space. Uh, this because, is I mean, this fun. is the first time where, I mean, we've met each other through like DMs and just yep. through random friends. And we've been in clubhouse rooms together and, and together and shared the stage. Uh, but this is like the first time we've physically met because, you know, we are yep. traveling and we've never been in the same actual ballroom together. Um, so yes, that is powerful. And um, the other thing I love about what you just said is that it is your job to sort of notice trends. I mean, you are by trade. I mean, of course, you're a uh, a main stage keynote speaker and you've got a successful podcast and you do all kinds of beautiful work in the world and you give back and you are making an income, but you're also making an impact. And these are the kind of people and businesses and entrepreneurs that I most certainly love. Um, cause I think that's the real dream, right? Can you right. do what you love, um, and get paid to do it, but then also help other people along the way. So since I've got, um, a digital futurist in front of me, I, I would be crazy to not ask you a question. I think a lot of people might be wanting to know, like, what are some predictions you have for this year as far as tech goes? Like, what do you see? Like, I mean, you just alluded to some of it, like empathy, empathy and connection and vulnerability and a lot of that stuff. And us having the hard conversations is certainly a trend. And, um, you know, the clubhouse flat platform and rooms being announced on Instagram. I mean, do you see Facebook, you know, what do you see going away? What do you see getting bigger? Um, any knee jerk predictions for the, the entrepreneur that's looking to grow and scale and pay attention to what's going on out, out in social. So I think one of the things we're, we're, we're seeing is kind of like the old becoming new, right? Like, like mm-hmm. the idea, like we were literally, we're calling into a phone line. <laughs> like yeah. we're, we're literally calling in a conference call in like all into the purposes. Um, you know, I think the, the transformation of the email newsletter, we're seeing that with Substack and a lot of these things that are kind of coming out that are kind of, kind of making the idea where I do believe there's an art in curation, right? We all, we focus so much on creating everything from scratch. Uh, yeah. At the same time, we tell people like nothing's it. really new, like everything's been done. And so everything's like, the ability to, next. Yeah. Right? and we really to curate things to make things easier for others, I think is a beautiful trend. We're going to see, you know, even more like I, I'm a big fan of the, the tool Flipboard. Um, it's a digital magazine. Yeah. I haven't been to a website blog in six years um, because I, I do 30 minutes of Flipboard every single day. Um, I open it. It curates it. If I don't like the article, I hit down. It doesn't feed me that kind of article. It's the best algorithm that I've ever seen for serving up my news. It goes on your desktop, your iPad, your iPhone. Cool. It's free of charge, but something like that. Like, and it brings all that to me, right? And so I mean, I'm still able to share it to social directly from there. I'm able to add it in the buckets. You can actually go to my account and see every blog post I've read on public speaking, every blog post I've read in, on, on video market. Like I, they all are curated. Like I think I have 20,000 followers over there that, that every day can tune in. They don't have to do anything on themselves. They can see what is Brian curated for cool. you know, this bucket today. So that curation cool. trend is, is a big one. Um, I think we're also going to, you know, we hear a lot about like dark social and like more intimate, like private, but then we also have like this zoom fatigue thing. And, and I, and I, I, Wait, and I think, what is dark yep. social? So dark social really in, in that sense is like being connecting people without doing a public. So like if you have a link from Instagram, rather than me, like hoping it comes in your algorithm, I go into your DM and say, Hey, Hey, check out this post that I sent. Right. So it's not, 
you're not, there's no trackable. The reason it's called dark is because there's no trackable way to see that like you got this via a, a instant, instant messenger chat, or I posted it into the, the uh, WhatsApp group that I belong to, right? Like taking something and kind of taking it and, and sharing it that way kind of you know, takes it away from the algorithm, right? Like I'm a part of a couple really big WhatsApp groups. And if I want a clubhouse room to be successful, I schedule it, I go live, I post it in that group and say, hey guys, here's I'm live. Everyone else is playing in the same playground. And I just took it and sent it to a, a group of people that have notifications on, on their phone to get it in front of them, right? So like that idea of like, mm. you know, kind of curating your, your space. And I think the Zoom fatigue thing is so interesting to me because I mean, virtual, I, I was all virtual before, right? virtual live video. This is all my space. But I never used virtual live to sell virtual and live, right? Like, so when everyone was coming to me in like March and April, like, Fanzo, you should be so excited. I'm like, no, hold on. I use online to build my offline business of speaking yes. on stages. I didn't do it to like, so then I was like, how does this all work? And for me, the biggest lesson I believe is that I don't believe, like, yes, there's been a lot of bad Zoom or virtual experiences. There's been a lot of people that like, some of the greatest YouTubers I've ever seen suck on stage. Mm. Some of the greatest speakers we both know friends with suck on video, right? Like that's yep. just the hard truth that, that comes to this. Yep. But I think the biggest piece for me has been the, the audience does not dedicate the same attention to the event or the content and their expectations of what they can expect are so low that it's, it's really hurt our ability to do anything, right? And like my new four letter word has been the word interaction. Whenever someone's like, Brian, I want you to create an interactive, you know, virtual presentation. Right. It, it is a four-letter word for me because now I fire back and this is my answer every time. Is I was like, do you want interaction or do you want me to maintain the audience's attention throughout my entire keynote? Right. And they're like, oh, of course we want you to me. I'm like, not every talk should be interactive. Not every talk needs to be interactive. And let's face it, not everyone wants to feel like this needs to interact nonstop. Right. But I, was, I say all this because I believe one of the biggest trends moving forward is our ability to manage the expectations of our audience. Mm. And I, so like every virtual presentation I could hire to speak at now, I do a video that they send to their audience and saying, hey guys, I'm doing a talk. And like right now I'm pop I have a choose your own adventure talk. And I'm like, during my choose your own adventure talk, I need you to be in front of your laptop. I need you to be in there because I'm going to have four choices and whatever we get voted the most, I'm telling that story only. I'm not coming back to the other ones. And we're going to go there. You're going to be a part of this experience. And I was like, and I know you hear about interactive and sometimes you're listening to it on Zoom, but for my 60 minutes, I need your attention, right? And so when I'm working with these virtual events now from consulting, I'm telling them if, if this is a keynote and it's no interaction, put it on a landing page with no chat, no anything, let the audience know. Here's a perfect time to, you know, you, you got to do the dishes, we launch, we know how life is. But when, you, when you're like, hey, I need to move them to interaction, we must move them into a place for interaction. And then when interaction is done, move them out. Because right now, we all have been there. Like, I mean, we sign up for webinars that we, we're like, oh, I'll attend that. And we don't. And then we go to like Zoom and you're like, oh, another Zoom meeting. Or I should say, Ring Central. Ring Central is my partner. Um, yeah, I love like, it. You know, I worked for them. I worked them earlier this year. Yeah. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, they're, they're a great team. So like, to me, I, so I think the trend is our ability to, like, and like podcasting is a great example too, right? I always tell you, like, we all know consistency is important. Well, ADHD consistency is probably my number one struggle. Number one struggle without question. But I know it's important. And what I have always decided was I'm just going to be so manage my expectations so transparently with my audience that I can give myself freedom. So like my podcast doesn't drop on a certain day of the week because right. everyone told me it needed to. And I was like, well, you know what? My first episode, my 10th episode, my 20th, it starts by guys. Hey, just a reminder for those new listeners. Uh, I am ADHD superpowered and consistency is hard for me. <laughs> so you're going to get an episode every week, but I can't tell you what day of the week is going to be. Sometimes <laughs> it could be one. 
And by managing, I never once, not one time have I had someone say, Ryan, I wish you delivered it on one day a week, right? But like, the, I think our ability to manage that expectations in everything, every single thing we're doing, like even the, like the latest Instagram, like guidance, right? Like they want us to do three feed posts, two reels, yeah. an IGTV and all. I'm like, no, which is really frustrating because Instagram was the, they were the one thing they did one thing well when they came out, right? Yeah. For pictures and pictures only. And now they have 330 different options. It that- makes me sad because it's my favorite platform. And I loved how visual it was. And now it's like becoming a little bit of everything. Oh my gosh. Uh, it's and like- it's fine, but it's like also like, ah, uh, you know, it's, it's, like- it's, it's overwhelming. And I, and I think for me, like that's the piece of it that predicting the future side is we just have to own what we can manage. Yeah. And we just need to put that out to the, like we, we don't, we have never been really good at saying like, Hey, I know that you guys might like these things, but like, I know for me to do this, I have to sacrifice this and I'm not willing to sacrifice the trade off. So yeah. What, what is that trade off? And I think if we put that out there, yeah, pretty powerful. But I think for the last many years, we've kind of like either blamed the algorithm, allowed yeah. ourselves to chase every shiny object and be so, yeah. you know, uh, go crazy. So. My rule of thumb is always kind of like, if I'm not having fun, like go try it, go play. I mean, yes. be awake, be aware, try things out. You know, don't deny the fact that technology is a thing and, you know, you want to you want to be awake and aware to what's going on. So get on Clubhouse, try it out, understand, read about it, Google, do all the things. But if you're not having fun, it's going to ha- you're going to have a if consistency is already hard, you're going to have a really hard time showing up. And so I just sort of I pick a lane, I I drive by all the other locations and I <laughs> sort of pick a lo- a pick a lane. Uh, but but sort of closing the loop and circling back around to like the whole Zoom thing, I agree. And what I think was the most and is still to this day, the most challenging thing about all my work coming over to Zoom is, you know, um, I do live improv, right? Which yep. is highly interactive. We bring people on stage. And so while it's a key Ooh. note, I use improv to teach right. the key notes. And so it's one of those, yeah, it's it's been such an interesting dance to try and figure out how to make that work. And you just, you know, gave me the great reminder that I have to be managing, always managing that expectation with my client. Like, here's the priority. Here's what works best for the space. And yep. um, I think it's also why platforms like Clubhouse are so refreshing because we don't have to be on fucking camera. We can be or on manage phone, anything. It's literally on. a mute button, a mute button. And like I was on a ladder hooking my daughter's ninja course up, listening to this great talk. And they're like, oh, I see fans in the audience. Fans will come up. And I'm like, oh, and you're like, shit, I'm on I was the ladder. Like, pull my phone out, click the unmute. I'm like, how cool? Like I looked out on my daughter. I'm like, how cool is this that I was like, you're I'm able to do talk. that, right? Uh-huh. And, and, and like, we can love video, but there's also like, like not only is the barrier entry down, but there are plenty of times. I mean, I think we all learned that. I mean, 2020 taught anyone anything was that video isn't as easy as everyone thought it was. Ooh, not just like, oh, just, that all the time. Isn't that great? It's like, a, it's like the weirdest like byproduct of like, we all got forced into it. And all of a sudden now they're like, oh my God, like how the hell do you get up for that every day? And how do you, how do you turn on a create? Like, and it's like, well, now you're going to appreciate it. And it's now not you just, know, yeah, right. like, hey, like, we got, and I, like, just like your shirt says, right. Be, being brave, right. Like, there's an element of like showing up, especially in the digital space is so much harder than what we realized. And I think even now when we look at the virtual place, like the hybrid is going to be the future, but yeah, I don't well, but even more. So we were talking about it in the event space, even before the shit shook down, yep. but like hybrid, you know, but it's expensive and it uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's no joke. Like we, for a while here had a studio and um, you know, sometimes my clients upgrade to it, but like, 
my clients are like, oh, we can do it from your house. And this is awesome. And I have two sides, two sets. And they're like, and it costs nothing extra. But if I go to your studio down the street, it's an extra like eight grand. I'm like, yeah, they're like, okay, great. We're good in your house. It's awesome. (laughs) You know what I mean? We don't even need it. We don't even need it because it's so expensive. For sure. And, and, you know, if you think about it, like the, because the mediums are so different, right? Like we could argue like the, the Oscars, the Emmys, the Super Bowl, those are all hybrid events. Like there are fans that are there and there's, but yet there's, it's so programmed. Made for television. And I think the other piece of this is like, virtual will never replace the offline stage. It never will. Hybrid is not the best of both worlds. Like this is like, you know, it's like, it is both worlds, but it requires unique skill set. And I think this will be an interesting, like as we emerge kind of in this this space, as we, like I'm excited to reinvent everything in the sense like, and I, I don't know, uh, Adam Grant's new book is, yeah. um, I, I literally almost done audio. Ooh, like when I'm not on Clubhouse, I still have my AirPods it? in. Do you know um, the name? Think again. Think again. I haven't, it's on my list. I have my stack of books to read is, I'm so, and so many of my friends, you know, this is the thing you, you feel yeah. really cool when you say it too. Cause you're like, all my friends are writing books, but you're like, no, seriously, <laughs> all my friends are freaking writing books and I'm so behind. And I'm like, I will not have someone on my podcast unless I've literally devoured their book. Right. Yep. Cause I want to be able to speak to it. So he, Adam Grant's book is on my list. He's, he's a smart dude. He's, and he was on clubhouse and he was with yeah. uh, Malcolm Gladwell yeah. and Malcolm Gladwell was pushing back on him. And Adam ended up flipping the interview and taking all of his points from the book and putting them on Malcolm Gladwell's, all of Malcolm Gladwell's like, how, what, we need to rethink that. We need, it was, it was so beautiful that I was like, Oh my gosh, I got to drive into it. And the thing that I think is like really interesting on like the premise in that bigger piece of it is not only rethinking everything, but like breaking down everything to its core and rethinking it. But in a, in a way that like, we'll kind of ask ourselves, like, is this good or is this bad? Like even like this whole virtual, like what we're all doing and like, I mean, I miss hugs and I miss stages and I miss like eyeballs and, and everything that exists. But I also think like, we've been kind of very lucky and spoiled in many ways for how many, like the amount of things we have to juggle to turn on in this virtual experience. And then we go offline, we like show up green room, someone mics us up, the slides are all ready. The lighting is done. I walk out. It's like, I mean, like we were, we were living like a, a pretty sweet like experience. And I think like, it's kind of like a fun place to like allow our creativity kind of work together and, and uh, yeah, this is a fun, I mean, it's fun future. And I think the, uh, I think the biggest lesson for me is that I do believe we are emerging to a spot where the good people that are doing good things have the ability to shine bright right now. And if we can I just agree. keep amplifying that, yeah. the bad news, the fake news, the Corona news, everything else that's all out there, there will drown out because we'll be able to celebrate all these wins. So that's Damn right. And I know we align on that hundred percent, which is the, the beauty of, uh, you know, kind of not only like mine, but like, you know, our goals and things that we're working on. So this is a uh, exciting times, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, thank you so much for uh, the gift of your time. Thank you for being so open about your journey with ADHD. I hope that uh, any of the fear bosses listening who have a kid or a spouse or a friend or a partner who maybe struggles or maybe thinks they struggle, got some information from this. And um, my goodness, if you have been wondering about trends and clubhouse and some tech predictions for the future, you got a little bit of that as well. So Brian, you are just like a bag of tricks. And you know what? Good luck with putting down the energy drinks. Uh, I'm, I, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be curious how that goes for you. And I think an awesome way to end is Brian's got a sign uh, up in his office. And it's one of his big, um, I would say mantras, which is this notion 
of Insure Podcast, right? Yep. Uh, and and the book, the book that's almost done. And the book that's coming. I was going to ask you if it was out. That was yep. going to be my next question. So it's called Press the Damn Button. And that is action, right? And when I think about the two words um, that make up the name of this podcast, yes, and it yep. is action. Yes, and are the two words from the improv theater that help us um, explore, create, heighten, uh, and go to really beautiful places instead of where a lot of us love to go in fear, which is yes, but. So for me, press the damn button means, fuck yeah, yes, this is happening. And where can we go next? So how does that feel to you? When I say the words, yes, and do those kind of ring true to you? As oh, without question. My, I, I've, even, same. I've even implemented that with like my kids. Like my, my kids are very familiar with yes. And, and like, yes. And the possibilities for us when we do press the damn button yeah. are the yes and right it's the endless ability and, and i think i mean this is uh the, there's nobody better in the world to tell your story than yourself and yeah. I, I don't believe there's an excuse today and if if you if you're you have that fear or you have the excuse uh i think we have to move it away from ourselves and say you know what is the impact we're not making by not pressing the damn button right and that's mm -hmm. for me has been um i mean it's the beauty of like every like all my success all the things that the connections that the friends that i've made it's the idea of just putting things out there and yeah. You know, and, and there's something beautiful too about when you put it all out there, it takes away the power from pretty much everyone else because they, they can't really make fun of me or, or go after me for a lot of things whenever I kind of just own, hey, this is who yeah, I am. I'm, a, I I'm am. perfectly imperfect and I got no problem with that. So oh, I love it. Wally perfectly imperfect. Press the damn button. Do it scared, fear boss. And no doubt about it. Keep saying yes. Fanzo, been so fun to hang out with you. Thank you for the gift of your time, man. You're a badass. How can everybody come find you? Uh, the Clubhouse. I'll link yes. up to you, Clubhouse. I'll link up to your podcast. Where are you hanging out besides Clubhouse? Instagram? Is that your? Insta I love Instagram. Big okay, fan. Cool. I, I haven't missed a day of Instagram stories since it came out. It's kind of like no a little way. That's a little, little, addic a little addiction of mine. I, and it's, it's like part of one of those things. I just, I just love that like short term uh, storytelling. Oh, well, same. I love Instagram. It's my favorite. So, so, so much fun. Yeah. And like you Twitter. What's Twitter. your favorite Instagram though? You have two Instagrams. Did so yeah, I social fans. So I social fans on every channel. Uh, I do have a second one. It was, it's actually uh, speaking at an event. Someone challenged me. It was like, Brian, you're talking about the power of Instagram and growing a following yet. You created your Instagram account on year one. Like you don't know what it's like to create an Instagram account in 2018. And I was like, you're right. And you know what? I'll come off stage and I'll, I'll create one right now. And I decided and I've now been building it since 2018. And it's taught me a lot. I, I, I kudos to his name's Eric, uh, uh, who challenged me on that, that piece. So there is two, uh, but on that. every channel it's I social fans. Uh, my last name's Fanzo. Um, I'm a Apple fanboy, so the I for iPhone, iPad, I social so fans. Cool. Um, and then, yeah. And then the podcast, press the damn button. Uh, interview style podcast that I, I host and uh, you know speaking stuff is all under uh, brianfanzo.com so I got lots of virtual resources lots of uh, you know I have five cameras here in my studio I use a couple of cool things with uh, Prezi video that is a lot of fun but oh, cool. uh, yeah reach out I always tell people don't follow me on every channel I create a lot of content but uh, whatever your whatever your favorite channel is give me a follow there I reach out and I will uh, I promise to get to back say it that's our jobs to create content we got to be a little yep. bit of everywhere so um I'll link up to you and everything Perfect. in the show notes thank you for your time you're a badass and we'll catch you on the other side thank you this is fun cheers <laughs> All right, Fear Boss, I've got to tell you about a podcast that you're going to love. It is a show called The Kelly Show, and Kelly is one of my favorite humans, and this podcast 
literally has been giving me life lately. It's this beautiful, juicy intersection between spiritual and sexual liberation. And she really helps women break free from a lineage of toxic lies and rules. And in her episodes, Kelly's going to ask you to challenge the social norms, which I love, right? I hate the fucking box. Let's break out of the box. She's going to encourage you to create your own narrative and invite you to come back come back to your evolving truth. She's so badass. She's so beautiful. She's so intuitive and spiritual and really, really owns what it is that makes her so divinely feminine. She's an intuitive facilitator, a Reiki and hypnosis practitioner, a women's circle facilitator, and a plant medicine advocate. So if you're looking for something new and you're ready to shake it up and really dig into what it means to be sexually and spiritually liberated well kelly is your girl i'll link up in the show notes for more okay fear boss i hope you loved this episode as much as i loved making it for you talk to me on instagram send me a dm and let me know what you think about this episode what was your favorite takeaway what did you learn i love hearing from you so keep it coming And you can always send me an email to hello at judyholler.com with your show ideas, feedback, and inspiration anytime. As always, thank you for listening, sharing this podcast with your buds, leaving a review. And until we meet again next week, stay brave and keep experimenting with your fears.